Hello, everyone. Today with me, I have a woman who has done Cats, Evita, Kiss Me Kate, Emoji Land, Jekyll and Hyde, and we all know and love her as the first woman to ever play Alphaba and Glinda in Wicked. I have the phenomenal Louise Dearman. Hi, oh. Louise. How are Hello. you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm hanging in there. I think I'm getting a little sick, but we're... <laughs> It's, it's that time of year listen and when you have a kid as well i'm actually constantly oh. bringing this stuff home from school so that's yep. always nice yeah and um so how uh so like probably a lot of people is um i know you from wicked for the most part i obviously like i know you as the first woman to ever play alphaba and glinda and i listen to your bootlegs um <laughs> <laughs> gasp um and they i exist <laughs> <laughs> And I remember I was, I was just like, I was like, I was like, what the, I was like, this, I was like, this can't be the same person. They just have to be the same person. They just have to be two different people who coincidentally have the same name. I was like, there's no way this is the same person. And I was like, and then I was like, oh no, it is this. And I was like, what? I was like, I was like, no, some people are too talented for their own good. Oh, bless you. It's always all a big flag. And then, um. So and then I remember, and then I remember I started this Instagram and I remember I followed like literally like a but like three hundred billion people and then to the point where Instagram was like you cannot follow any more people today <laughs> <laughs> and you were one of like the first people that like followed me back and Aww. I was like and um I'm and I hold this over my best friend Sam's head because he runs um Wicked Worldwide. I don't know if you know that on Inst. He runs that Wicked Worldwide Instagram. Do I not follow? I'm, I'm, let me let to, to be clear. I'm really <laughs> dreadful on social media, and I'll just some days, some weeks, I'm not even on it, and other weeks, I'm like on it every every day, every hour of the day. And I'm very much the scroller. He'll go, "Ooh, what's this?" Yes. and just like follow. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, do you say your friend's name was Sam? Sa yeah, but it's it's Wicked underscore Worldwide. Okay, I'll check it out. Yes, because he, he does. <laughs> I remember I said it to him, and he was like, "He was like, wait, what?" He was like, "You have Louise Dearman following you?" And I said, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> so, I love that. That was where I one upped on him because he, I mean, because he's got other people. But I was like, he's got like Rachel Tucker, but I was like, I got Louise Dearman. Oh, he's got my Tucker. I'm blessed. So. We're going to start with some easy questions before I get into the hard-hitting journalism. Love it, yeah. <laughs> so first and foremost, I learned this about you recently, was you were in, you worked as a child actor in the West End for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Specifically, the Lindsay Hadley production? Yes. <laughs> that's like, how i do it i go by who was the narrator <laughs> yeah an obsessed obsessed that i was 12 and i was uh in a school choir and we auditioned to be in the the kids choir of joseph and his amazing technical mm -hmm. dream coat at the very prestigious london palladium and mm -hmm. i think the first time we didn't get through but the second time we did and honestly it was it, i think it was the moment you know i had danced up to that point since I was three years old and so I was already in the flow of training and, and loving you know acting singing dancing but I think that was the real moment that I got a taste of what it might be like to do this as a profession 
and just absolutely loved it. And yeah, Lindsay Hately was the narrator who I who I can call a friend now, which I just find weird. And oh, I still I feel just really strange in her presence. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. I have this scrapbook in my loft that has, you know, sequins from your jacket and just random things that I what scooped up off the floor. Yeah, what? just kept of, like stuck I... in this scrapbook. I Some really embarrassing that. things, yeah. Hair grips, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Um, and I was just fully obsessed. But yeah, that was my first uh, my first taste of professional showbiz. And then um, this is something that I would just want confirmed that I this is because this was on Wikipedia, so I don't know if it's true. <laughs> um, you were in a KFC commercial. I was. And there is a clip of it on YouTube. Is there? <laughs> yes. I think I, like, I think I have to say all I said was something like oh and some beans. I think that was it. Yes, it was yes. literally that. And someone come and it was like and someone commented was like they were like they said is that they said is that fucking <laughs> Louise Dearman? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, I did a KFC commercial talking about beans. Um, yeah. Good times. I, remember, I saw that and I was like, wait, what? And I like, so I literally did like a YouTube search. I was like, it's not going to be on here. And then I, I just typed in Louise Dearman and then it automatic, and I typed in K and then it automatically filled it into KFC. I need to <laughs> I find this because like, I haven't seen that in years and years. I have and a years. link if you want me to send yes, it to please, you. Yes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so now, th- now I love cats. So I'm going to ask you a little bit about cats real quick. Um, I have my, so I have my two generic cats questions. Where are you like, yes, I love cats, or were you like, hooray, cats? I'm like, yes, I love yes. cats because because Cats was one of the first musicals I ever saw in yes. London, and I remember these actors crawling around me and just looking at this incredible set and being so immersed in it as a kid I found it really magical and when I did it I did a production out in Cyprus mm-hmm. and um in this gorgeous amphitheater and so you know when the big moment in memory hit and I got a waft of wind through my wig as I oh, sang that, must... <laughs> that was amazing so um now I'm apps I love cats it, it, it cats all those musicals Starlight Express all hold great memories from when I was younger and just desperately wanted to be in musicals. Cats was my introduction to theater. It was the 1998 film performance with Elaine Page, Susie McKenna, yeah. Ken Page, Rosemary Ford, John Partridge, the, just wow. the greats, yeah. the greats. Mm. Um, we had it on VHS, um, the two thing VHS, and I watched it so much that I broke the tape. No. <laughs> And I, I haven't hope... seen the new movie though. I haven't seen that. It's all right, you don't have. To. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> um, and then I, I, and then I, I remember we got the DVD. We got the two thing DVD because we upgraded to the twenty first century. <laughs> um, and I watched that so much that it goes mute in parts. Oh, you fully love cats. You are. Uh, oh, you uh, are. You I fully. Would, I would perform it for my family. Like I would be like, "You're sitting down to eat dinner, and I'm going to do this." I would move like tubware. For some reason, we had a tire oh. in our garage, so I oh, brought it did. out and I used it in like our kitchen, and it was crazy. You and can like, give a full jellical ball in your kitchen. Fully. Fully. And I would yell at them when they would watch the TV and not watch me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me as a kid. We're very similar. <laughs> so you are Grisabella. So this is my 
standard Grizz question. What did you do with all your time off stage? Oh, what do, do you know what? Because I was out in Cyprus and it was just so, so magical. I would sneak around the back and watch genuinely. <laughs> I'd sneak around the back and watch because it was so magical. And it was, um, you know, directed by a friend of mine uh, who brought in loads of loads of us who were already friends and who had trained together oh, for years nice. and worked together in musicals. So it was just such a a lovely, tight cast. Um, and so I just loved going out there and watching. And then, um, which call it? What was it? Oh, I'd yes, love so. to say I wrote a novel whilst in my dressing room, but no, sorry, I just went and watched. Probably For me, I know the standard questions was I had Di Rossioli, and she said she knitted. Um, <laughs> and, and she said she knitted. Every, she was like, she was like, I was not good, so she was like, I just knitted everyone at the company scarves. Um, and Brummel said that she did like puzzles and board games with the swings. <laughs> Do you know what? Had it had it been a longer run, I'm sure I would have got into all sorts of things. And then Liz Calloway, who I did not have on my podcast, but I know this from like another interview she did, is she would keep the cast updated on sports, like on, like <laughs> on sports scores, and so like and so like they would all like pick like and they would pick like one team, and then so if she moved slightly upstage, that meant the team was winning. If no, she moved stop. slightly downstage, that meant the team was losing. Um, <laughs> and that's that. how she would update. <laughs> I would get that so wrong. I would have yeah, I would get that all shades of wrong if I was uh, in charge of that. So um. Now, I want to, I have another, I have a generic, not about catch, but just an overall another generic question before we get mm. into hard-hitting journalism. Um, so, you, well, too, you have played both Ava Perone and Alphaba. My first question is, how are you still alive? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's the best question. Is that seriously the first question? I, I mean, it, I mean, I if you no want to answer it, it is. Or do you just not know? They, they are both two of the most iconic roles that you just dream about when you're in training. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, let's be honest, it's they're brutal. They are both brutal. And, um, you know, I've never been one of these people who can, you know, go out for a couple of drinks after a show and stay up late chatting and still go in and perform. I've always had to be so so strict slash boring and head straight home and steam and drink loads of water and not go out drinking because I just can't deliver I just I'm just not that kind of person um so it's quite hard they're both quite without getting too deep they're both for me they're both quite lonely roles mm -hmm. because I felt like I just did my job and then I went off on my own and back to my digs or whatever so um but but equally amazing like I'm not taking away from that my god I'm so grateful to play both characters um but yeah brutal don't know how i'm still alive no <laughs> idea i've made it i survived it i could survive anything <laughs> which role would you say was harder ava or alphaba because i've had I've... former eva alphabas before oh really what did they say out of interest what was them um who was so i had ann brummel who did uh evita i think it was almost like a few years after college so she was still young and she was like it was fine because it sat all in the like the top range of her register yeah and so she was like it was fine and i also had um 
Marie, I didn't have Marie Ivy on my podcast, but we talked before, and she did Joseph as the narrator and um, Alphaba, and she's like, Joseph is easier because again, the narrator, it's all you're sitting at the top, whereas Alphaba, it's all like, wow, to yeah. I'm not that girl. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what it is for me. I would definitely say that Alphaba was harder for me because exactly that. If you're just talking vocally, um, I love to sort of, well, I have to play around and mm. use all the different parts of my voice and just draw on so much technique and for me that came more naturally with Ava mm-hmm. Peron so that that role was kind of written where there's lots of kind of more mezzo soprano and even you know some bits where you can really mix it and kind of take the pressure off mm-hmm. but I did find with Alphaba there were just so many moments where it you know I'm completely honest and put my hands up I had I was the luckiest woman to be called by the production team to say we know you. We've known you for two years. You've been in the shows, Glinda. We've seen you perform outside of the show. We want you to come back in as Alphaba. You know, well, you've to, ruined I, I, all my next questions. Oh, Thanks, sorry. Louise. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll give more detail on that later. But um, but basically, it was it, it didn't come naturally. I'm mm-hmm. a big belter, but I'm like a legit kind of traditional belter, big open belt. I'm not great at the kind of that twangy mixy belt so it was really difficult for me to find that um so i, I guess i'd say that that playing um Vita was just a it came a little bit more naturally but there's still some like kick-ass vocal moments in that that are singing out of your backside moments <laughs> I'm, wait it's my favorite is because i would i sang this i sang rainbow high like over and over in college just for fun just because it was so much fun to do and my favorite part was I was I'm not gonna sing that high again. It was it was I'm their savior. They need to adore me, so Christian Dior me from my head to my toes. Yeah. I need to be dazzling. I want to be and then yeah. I, that was my favorite part to do. I'm the savior. <laughs> do you know which bit was the hardest? Here's a Oh yes, that one, the a new Argentinas. Those were also oh, fun to do, but me. I was like, you only got one of those in me a day. <laughs> eight times a week are you kidding me oh my god i i hold props to all avas because that's unless you're an ava who does head voice then i have no props for you yeah <laughs> i do head I'm voice just, most of the time i'm just kidding <laughs> um so now how did you approach the role of ava perone because she's obviously a real person mm. um and it's like and this is not shade to andrew lloyd weber but how it is in this show, it's very easy to just be like, oh, she's a bitch. But how yeah. did you give it texture? So, like, there's, what 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 was it that, what was it that my one um, teacher said? She said something like, so that way there's a woman behind the bitch or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know exactly what she said. <laughs> I think it's kind of, I think there are obviously many different techniques in acting and, and everyone has to find their own way. Um, for me, I've always tried to obviously do if it's if you're playing a, a what was a real person, doing all that kind of research, but also trying to uh, draw on, I guess, my own experiences, my own emotions, and how I react and respond, and try to drip feed a tiny bit of that in so that it becomes real. I really struggled with the last kind of quarter of the show, um, you know in her deathbed I really struggled with that bit it took an awful lot out of me and that was from drawing on personal experience and losing people and trying to sort of comprehend how that person would feel exactly as you say it's very easy to just go bitch 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 Mm -hmm. that is what that is the one side that you're focusing on but I think we always have to remember 
with every single person, there's a different person to what we see in the public, to the person behind closed doors. Um, and we, at the end of the day, we, no matter, we are all just humans and we all hold emotions. And some people just uh, deal with them and display them differently, badly. Um, but yeah, it was, I really struggled with the ending of that. I really did. It, it took a lot out of me. Um, but uh, that's my, my method. Not faking so, it such, but just drawing upon my own, my own emotions, my own experiences. There are several women who have played Ava who have said that the ghost of Ava Perone haunted them when they were <laughs> playing her. Did you have those experiences at all? A little bit. And I was on tour <clears throat> as well. So I was kind of away. And it kind of plays on your mind an awful lot because you do feel, exactly as you said, you kind of feel this responsibility to tell the truth, to tell the story in the correct way. But honestly, how do you really know? Mm-hmm. how do any of us really know how to do that um so of course everything's heightened of course you know there's a certain amount of sort of theatrical license if you like so there's uh you know you're just kind of get you're really guessing you're kind of taking all the information in but you're really kind of just guessing and and you're uh, putting your own opinion forward i guess yeah mm-hmm. but yeah definitely i felt that um but what a time you know, an incredible time playing that role. Mm, I, I, I literally, like, my thing was, like, with any Eve, I've, ugh, with any Ava's that I've interviewed, they're always like, it's a difficult time, but they were like, nothing is more rewarding than when you get mm. through to the bows and when you, especially when you get through to that final performance. Yeah. It's one of those roles where you feel exactly that, but you're also, you get to the end and you almost feel quite numb because you've really gone through it. I mean, talk mm-hmm. about going from playing the young Ava all the way through, you know, everything that she experienced in life and everything that she did right through to the end. It is, it is utterly exhausting. But by, so by the time you get to the end, you feel a real sense of achievement as an actor. Mm-hmm. Also, you're done in. You are like, <laughs> where's, where's my bed? Where's my steamer? <laughs> So before we go into Wicked, where I hope I'll have new and exciting questions for you, I want to talk briefly about your music career. Yeah. Because you've got five albums out. Um, your most recent one, it was Lullaby some Lullaby Baby? Bedtime Baby. Bedtime Baby. Yeah. Um, and they're all available on Spotify, available on iTunes. I don't think <laughs> anyone will get that reference. No. Um, and so had you always wanted to make an album? A Lullaby's album or an album? Or no, just all, anyone in general. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, my first album from a musical theatre artist was Lindsay Haightley's album yeah. that I got on cassette tape, <laughs> you know, and I still have it. Not that I can play it anywhere, but I have the cassette tape. Well, cassette tapes are coming back. Are they? There's stuff like at, in New- I was in New York a few days ago because I was seeing Chicago with Jinx Monsoon, and we went to the Drama Bookshop, um, and they had like they had like a cassette they had, like a they had, like a few cassette tapes there. My brother's got cassette tapes and a cassette player. Yeah, you just you gotta. I think it's just you gotta get them on Amazon. You're not gonna like yeah. buy them in like stores. I can make a fortune. I've got cassette tapes, <laughs> um, but yeah. So it was always. Um, you know, you know, the dream training was I just want to be in a show and then I just want to be on the West End and then I just want to be a leading lady. And I and then I think once you get that, it's like, well, I want to. What's the next step? The next step will be 
to become a, a recording artist, you know, to record albums and then to do live performance as me um, and then do the concert work with orchestras, etc. So everything's kind of, I'm very, very lucky that I've ticked lots of boxes. But yeah, I love recording. I really do. And all my albums are really quite different. I mean, yes. a couple of them, Here Comes the Sun for me is one of my favourites because even though there's no musical theatre songs on there, it has, I think, quite a theatrical feel about it. And Ben Robbins, who produced it, just did such beautiful work with the production. Um, and there was such a buzz around that album because I was in Wicked playing Glinda at the time I recorded it and I did my album launch and everything. Um, it, I really, really loved recording that album. But then you've got It's Time and I recorded that that was kind of already established all the orchestrations were already done so there was no shifting them no changing them oh. no no kind of making them you know a bit uh, what I call kind of demonify them put my little stamp on them they were already there and it was a case of we want to do an album we want your voice on it will you just come and lay down the tracks now oh. I was playing Elphaba at the time of recording that and I can totally hear it <laughs> I can hear it because very often I would go into the studio and I would do one song and go, I'm off home. We're, we're not singing anymore today because I have a show tonight. Um, and so it took such a long time. Whereas Here Comes the Sun, playing Glinda, I just felt like my voice was a lot less tired um, because it was tiring in a different way, Glinda. So I, yes. I felt like I could go into the studio and spend a bit more time in there. Um, but yeah, the Lullabies album came about, you know, when I had my little girl five years ago and I just said I would love to do a lullabies album but I don't want a kind of cutesy twee lullabies album I want something that my friends my fans my family and kids and people with babies will all enjoy listening to because mm -hmm. you know when you're whether or not you have a kid but if you do and you're in the middle of a night feed the last thing you want is somebody in your ear going twinkle twinkle little stuff you're like go away i'm already feeling like death um so i wanted it to be very very soothing so we introduced all these lovely sleep sounds and you know the ocean waves and the birds tweeting and um the wind blowing and all these lovely sounds um that hopefully people find very calming so, so that's how that one came about for an album how do you go about choosing the songs takes forever I think you really need a producer who's brutally honest with you like Ben who I work with a lot Ben Robbins he's like mm, I know what you're saying and I love the idea of it but I don't think it'll work on an album so or we'll try it you know on Here Comes the Sun I recorded um I can't stand the I can't I kind of say it with a British accent um I can't stand the rain and at the time I really loved it and then when I listened back I was like oh I sound a bit crap and it's a bit, I'm a bit boring let's just not put that on there um so you sometimes you have to kind of test it out, try it out, sing through it to decide whether it's going to go on there or not. But it's really hard. Look at how many songs there are out there in the world. How on earth do you just pick the 12 to go on an album? Crazy. So for It's Time, which you previously mentioned, so you said you didn't, you didn't have any say in the songs that were picked for that album? Um, there were... No, I, I did have a say, but the the orchestrations that had already been done and and already recorded were there so there was no um tweaking them no no changing them to make them a, you know let's make this one a bit more acoustic or mm -hmm. let's make this one a bit rocky there was just none of that it was just the, the classics as they were intended to be 
recorded as they were intended to be heard so yeah a little bit less mm-hmm. tweakage and creativity with that one so you covered the perfect year from sunset boulevard yeah why would you choose a song that's not meant to be judgy that's not meant to be judgy i'm a big sunset fan but normally you know typically when someone chooses a song from sunset they pick either um every movie's a circus they pick you know the title song they pick with one look or the most popular yeah never said goodbye um so why would so was that a your choice for the perfect year and if so why i if i'm completely honest with you i can't remember i th- i guess it was on the list of songs that they said this is what we've got this is all we've got to play with and whether or not some of the others weren't in there i don't know i don't remember but um i guess maybe i was trying to be a bit less obvious okay maybe because like you say uh everyone would expect me to probably sing as if we never said goodbye with one look so so maybe i thought i can't say that for sure maybe i thought oh the perfect years are just a, a bit less obvious maybe i don't know who it's knows not as strenuous vocally <laughs> i was i was playing elfber at the time my yeah, mind that's... was <laughs> like... so now when you get when and i'm like the unlike it's time but when you get to choose your like how to arrange the songs how do you approach that with each song um it's quite comical because the way i kind of describe describe how i want something um ben will often go uh i mean he knows me so well now that i can say something like you know you know that song that's quite kind of ethereal twinkly but also has got a little bit of danger in the sound and you know to, so someone else they'd be like what on earth is she chatting about <laughs> um he will completely get it but um i'm quite uh i don't like uh messing with the song too much mm-hmm. like i know that some of my versions are quite different but especially things like as an example my version of defying gravity which is obviously very different because i i kind of wanted it on there my manager at the time really wanted me to do it but i just said i don't want to do i don't want to sing it like it is in the show you know i'm doing that for everybody every night i need to kind of find find a different take on it look at the lyrics differently as, as cheesy as that sounds and just think about how different it could it could sound and it could feel um but yeah it's kind of sometimes i'll record the whole song and then i'll i either what i'm singing doesn't marry with the the sort of track that ben's put down or i sing it and i can suddenly give a little bit more description of what i want because i've sung it through it's all different i don't have a specific method um i don't play an instrument which is i wish i did because then i can kind of explain a little bit better but um i think it's finding a producer who knows you inside out who knows your voice who knows what will sound great and what won't is just key Mm -hmm. full stop yeah um that's always good having like just having that one person who knows how you talk and then mm-hmm. so that way you can just be like this and then this and they're like oh that and then that yeah <laughs> and also you know years ago i think it helped when i was in my 20s at late teens and 20s i i would write a lot i wrote a lot of pop music i was in various pop bands and stuff that didn't ever happen but um i was so used to being in a studio and being spontaneous and creative right there in the room whereas i think because i haven't done that for so long uh, I'm not as confident in doing that and uh, you know sometimes I'll struggle to just explain how I feel so the best way for me to do it 
is to just sing it how I feel and then we'll just do a very bare piano track and we'll just build up from there um but saying that even though I'm not as confident as I used to be uh, at writing um I still just love being in the studio there's just something about it there's like this there's there's less pressure you can just kind of sit back and really enjoy it if it goes wrong let's do it again or I just feel so free in the studio mm-hmm. so can we expect it. more albums from you then I'm assuming we should uh definitely um I'm just not sure what I don't want to churn something out for the sake of it that's for yes, sure no. um but I've got a little idea of something that we might be recording soon for the end of the year if you catch my drift yes yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah so I think it's I love a theme I do love a theme but also it's making sure that you're because they take a lot of energy and time mm-hmm. and, and money of course so it's making sure you're doing it for the right reasons and it's something that you you know like how different here comes the sun is from you know for for you for me onto lullabies onto uh, you know a christmas album they're all so so different and that's what i like i've always just loved not just sticking to the same thing not just doing what is expected um and just mixing it all up a bit mm-hmm. so now to transition into wicked mm-hmm. and i hope that these questions are not the usual questions you get um <laughs> so first and foremost what i want to mention is and i learned this like about a few years ago is that so you and rachel tucker were friends before you guys did wicked yeah and you were in this show called so just end yeah where kind of your careers in wicked were manifested because it was yeah. like a mockery of, not the mock it was like a poking fun at the west end and yes. you played alphaba and she played glinda so was was that like how crazy was that manifestation for the two of you really you guys crazy like- <laughs> so she was she was alphaba i was glinda but then what's really weird is that it was kind of a Mickey take about rivalry between the Alphabas and Glinda's. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what this was about. And towards the end, Glinda, who I was playing, suddenly puts the witch's hat on and starts singing Defying Gravity, which blows my mind with the fact that, oh my God, we then not only, we didn't know that we were going into Wicked at that point, we auditioned after doing so just then. Not only did we both get Wicked at the same time, but also the fact that, in this this little mock-up of it, I did Glinda into Elphaba, which is just, I mean, maybe the producer saw that and was like, oh, but um, it's, uh, oh, it was so, it was such good fun. It was so silly. I also played Billy Elliot in So Just End. Just hilarious. Um, but no, it, and Rachel Tucker and I, when we both got it, I just... Oh, for me, just dream team. I I just absolutely adore the woman, and um, we had a brilliant two years together in the show. We really, really did. Um, it was very, very special. I think you, you know, lots of the Elfbus and Glinders do bond very quickly, and and mm-hmm. you get these really, really strong friendships. And that was exactly it with Rachel and I. We just off stage and on stage were really, really tight and and remain so to this day. So what was it like playing opposite one of your best friends and then taking over for them? Oh, 
amazing. I mean, weird, but I did have like a 10 month gap. Mm -hmm. So I left, I did Glinda for two years and then I decided to leave <clears throat> because I wanted to record an album and, and do some live sh uh, do some, you know, concerts and stuff like that and just have a bit of a break from the eight show a week thing. And so I did exactly that, which was, I was just, you know, of course it was my decision to leave, but also I was devastated because it was just such a huge deal, mm -hmm. you know, years of graft and playing small roles in big shows, big roles in small shows, understudying swing to finally get to be in a show like wicked as the lead role, just, in oh, just incredible. Um, but yeah, so I had a good, I think it was about 10 months in between. And so I was able to, of course, it was still weird, but I was able to walk into the room with a bit of a clear head because trust me when I say there are these people who leave a show and six months later can jump back in to like help the production out if they've got lots of actors off sick mm -hmm. and stuff. I'm not that person. <laughs> but I forget the lyrics of the show I did, a concert I did last week. Because I have so much going all the time, I have to just put everything in a box, learn it, let mm -hmm. it go, learn the next one, let it go. Um, I definitely could not walk back into Wicked and do it all again. So I, I definitely felt like I could go in and uh, just have a fresh head on. And, you know, I then played opposite a gorgeous Gina Beck, who is my Glinda. The only time it became really weird was when you'd be singing the duets. <laughs> And just yeah. like muscle memory, I'd suddenly start singing her harmony and just, oh, sorry, guys. And um, that was really weird. But um, really exciting because I knew the show so well. It was just really exciting and nerve wracking, but also comforting to be back in that building. So now... How did your return as Alphabet come about? Because on your last Glinda show, did you just think that's it? I'm done with the show, or were there already talks about you coming in to play Alphabet? No, there were not. There were never talks. Um, of course, <clears throat> I think uh, as an actor like myself who just loves—I mean, every actor does. Let's be honest—wants to play as many different types of roles as possible. Mm -hmm. But also, when it comes to vocals, I don't. Sometimes I think to myself what is my voice? Because I just love singing so many different styles. Um, you know, I love singing soprano. I love belting my head off. I love doing the legit stuff and the modern stuff. I love pop. I love singing R&B. I just love it all. Um, and so I had, during my time as Glinda, I did some concerts outside of the show and lots of the creative team would come and watch. So they knew they knew what I was capable of you know, aside from playing Glinda, um, I just got a call from my, from the resident director saying, so we're sat in auditions for Wicked and we're seeing Elphabus today and we're just on our tea break and we're all wondering why you're not here. And honestly, of course, when I would watch Rachel as Elphabus, of course, naturally, I'd think, how awesome would that be mm -hmm. to play that role? I would just, just paint me green and let me fly and sing that song just once and I'll be <laughs> happy. Of course I thought it, but I promise you, I would never have submitted myself for the role, for the auditions, because I, I don't know why. I think maybe I would have just been a bit worried about the reaction from the creative team. Maybe they just did not see me as anything else but Linda. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that fight with them i didn't want to be saying but i can <laughs> um 
but yeah they just called and they just said we're just wondering why you're here and I was like right and she said why don't you come in and we'll just have a very relaxed look at the scenes sing through you know just be us you know us so well it'd be lovely and and chilled well I turned up and there was a camera there to send to the US team (laughs) there was the casting director everyone was there I was like oh my god I want to be sick um so we just did it I just thought do you know what you've got nothing to lose no one knows you're here um these people you trust and love from working with them for so long just go and do exactly what she said let's just go and have a nice time let's sing through the material uh let's do the scenes and then that was it it was sent off and the next thing I know and I remember this so clearly I was living in a little cottage in the middle of the countryside and when my agent rang me and said so how do you fancy being the green girl I remember walking out of my house onto the green outside and just wandering around like what are you talking about this is crazy um so yeah that's how it came about it was absolutely people having um the trust and the faith in me knowing me giving me the opportunity which is let's be honest what a lot of this industry is about of course it's about hard work and of course it's about talent Mm. but it's also massively about someone or a team of people just giving you an opportunity and then then that's it so So, yeah were you about to say something no 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 you go okay how did it so how did it feel watching alphabet eight times a week versus playing alphabet eight times a week was it a different experience than you thought it would be um i think i've i mean i always have respect for any actor playing any difficult role and just thinking what it takes but i definitely think i underestimated because you know i played Ava Perron and I'd played Lucy Harris in Jekyll and Hyde I'd played big yes. vocal roles don't know what it is about Elphaba. but there's just something it's just everything's just heightened uh you know you've got you know her arc in the whole show her journey a lot of it can be quite angsty and very emotive and passionate and you've just got that constant drive and then on top of that you've got these big um these massive iconic songs and you've also got the added pressure of playing the role and the certain expectations of playing that role and lots of fans saying why aren't you singing it like this and why don't you do it like this person there's a lot of pressure there and I think I really underestimated that because I certainly didn't feel the same amount of pressure when I played Glinda Mm -hmm. um so a lot of it was tough and I had to have a real word with myself and I'll never forget I was working with a vocal coach who at the very very beginning who had said to me because I was just struggling a bit with finding my way and I finished the session and or the song and she just said right okay now can you sing it with Louise Dearman's voice I just went what do you mean she's like you're trying to mimic someone because you think that's what everybody wants when in fact You've been cast for a reason. You've been cast because of what you can bring to the role and how you are going to perform it, how you're going to play her and how you're going to sing this role. And I think being given that permission just made me relax a bit because I certainly felt like I've got to step into these incredible shoes. How am I going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, But yeah, I I just think I underestimated it. And I, I think now having played her, 
you know, there's I've got so many friends who have played Alpha Bernal and we all have this real strong sisterhood and support. Every time there's somebody new goes into the role, we are all there texting saying, this mm-hmm. is incredible. If you need me, I'm here. Don't buy into all the pressure and all of that hype. Just enjoy yourself. It's an epic role. You know, it's easier said than done, but we're definitely there as a, a real team sort of um, pushing each other on and supporting. It's lovely. So what aspects specifically did you find more challenging and then what aspects were easier than you thought it would be? Um, vocally, it was just really tough for me. On the good days, you know, you'd have really good weeks where you'd smash out eight shows and you'd be like, woohoo, mm-hmm. I'm on it. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just loved playing her. Mm-hmm. Like all the scene work. I just loved, I felt more I felt weirdly more comfortable in her boots mm-hmm. because I just, I just felt so much more grounded and so much more connected to her, I guess, as a person, as a personality um, than I did with Glinda. But with Glinda, I just had so much fun. That came quite naturally because I'm just a bit of a, a, a clown, I guess. And I just love letting loose and just being silly. Um, but yeah, I think vocally for me, it was just, whether that came from what from the outside from people mm-hmm. what I thought people wanted maybe I don't know I think when you're a bit younger and that was a good you know 10 years ago that I joined Wicked um I think you just you just read into things too much and you forget that the bottom line is you're in this incredible show which has been life-changing career-changing for you you forget to just enjoy mm-hmm you just think about all the pressure and how you've got to be and I'm terrible I'm a perfectionist so if something goes a little bit awry and it's not quite as I want it to be, I'll kick myself over that all show, all night, rather than just let it go. Rachel Tucker was great at um, saying, just let it go. Just uh, what are you clinging on to that for? It's done. It's gone. Move on to it. That's not the, that one little moment in the show is not your whole, is not the whole show. It's not the whole performance. It's not everything else that you've given that night. It's just a tiny little, a tiny little moment there. Let it all go. So I've got better at that. Mm-hmm. I think. That's, a yeah, that's, bit. yeah. I think there's some, there are a lot of alphabets that are like sometimes where it's like, there's one UK alphabet specifically. I'm not going to say who it is because um, this isn't meant to be shady, but I don't know how people will view it. Like in their, because they were an understudy in their first few bootlegs like you can hear like the tenseness and like the oh yeah. i'm scared i'm terrible like and like almost like they were trying to do something else and then later on and like as like they got more performances you heard them loosening up and being yeah. like oh i can't do my own thing and i'm like there you go i'm like yeah you go you go glenn coco and and listen my my stuff on youtube would be exactly the same because i felt like i really had something to prove Mm-hmm. rather than going I don't have anything to prove I've already got to this point playing this amount of brilliant roles I'm here for a reason mm-hmm. this is my take on it and I'm okay with that but at the beginning I didn't feel that way at the beginning I felt like I just had to fill a, a, a hole of what the person the last person had left and I wanted to impress the fans of the show I wanted them to be happy that I was back and I wanted them to be happy that I was playing Alphabet. And I just felt this enormous pressure not to let anybody down. But yeah, like you say, halfway through the contract, you suddenly go, oh, okay, I'm in my flow now. I'm happy, yeah. I'm relaxed. I'm, I can like, to eat, I can just tease this out a bit and do a little bit of what I want vocally. 
Um, but listen, for some people, all of that comes very naturally because it, mm -hmm. the vocal, it just sits much more naturally with them. And for others of us who've played the role, we've had to really work hard at it and, um, you know, maybe never fully comfortable with it. But that's just life. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you don't enjoy a role. It just means that you have good days and bad days. So now I do want to ask you, because your Glinda is very, there's parts where it's very belty. <laughs> that's not meant to be shade. That's not no, listen. Because typically, I'm like how, typically I'm like how typically I'm like how dare a Glinda belt, but because I'm very much I'm very much like for me I'm very much like Alpha is supposed to be the belter, Glinda is supposed to be the head voice, but for you I don't mind it. But you know what that was? That was me naturally doing that a tiny bit, and then Steve Arima's coming in and saying, "I know what you what you want to do there, so just do it." I'm saying, oh. do it. And and he said, it's not because it's coming from a place of vocal acrobatics or you want to show off. Mm -hmm. If you listen, I think you're probably referencing mainly the, um, goodness, feels that we can't die alone. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. If you think about the moment, that moment and what she's saying, and it could mm -hmm. be an outpouring of emotion, exactly. then it's justified. If it's just because I fancy going, that we can't die alone, yeah. you know, it's not <laughs> the same thing. Um, so he gave me, gave me permission to fully open up and do it. And I took it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's my thing. Like I'm a director and that's what I mean. I haven't directed a musical yet, but my rule of thumb is always, if you can justify the riff or the, the vocal choice using the text, we're good. If you yeah. can't stop it right now. I agree. And granted, there are a few exceptions, you know, like for like, I think like for Dream Girls, like One Night Only for Effie and I Am Changing, it's all right because, you know, she's supposed to be like a vocal powerhouse, so she can riff a little bit. But to me, when the riff overtakes the song, the acting, then I'm like, no, stop. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think sometimes in the moment, especially when you're getting towards the end of a run, in the moment, you can just maybe get swept up in it and just really flip and enjoy singing it, which is what it's all about, right? But yeah, I do agree with you. I think it, if it doesn't, and you know, I teach a lot of students and, and I will often say, for what reason did you do that? Because mm -hmm. if it was purely just to impress us with how you can do that, choose a different song or a different moment for that. Yes. Let's keep this real because what happens is you, if you're just following somebody emotionally and they do that, I think it pulls you away from them and you just end up just seeing the person, the actor and what they can do vocally rather than staying with, sticking with the character. Um, but quite honestly, I could just imagine <laughs> singing the notes that are written in Wicked that are written there singing just those notes are hard enough so i'm like hard how do these women how do these women go up and above it i mean they're just like sensational one of my wild one of the wildest things is um i think her name was sabrina weckerlin in germany for the high f at the end of defying gravity i think it's from my understanding is she literally like jumped the octave and yeah. like so she went um she gave she went, us some pure Mariah. She so instead of it being like wah, she went like wah. <laughs> that's not the right key, but like it was like I would go to do crazy. it, but it would fail. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it would like and yeah, and like that's just like there are sometimes where like I know like somebody like just to go off on a brief tangent about riffing. Like I just 
there's like there's like this like there's this one instagram page called rainbow high notes that i love and adore because i love watching some of their videos but there's this one video of a girl singing it changing me and she was doing all these riffs and i'm like that's great but there's no acting in this mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like no like and i hate when people are like yes rip queen this this or why didn't you do this riff and i'm like because it's not in the score no i think it's a <laughs> it's it's a couple of things if someone's doing it and the musical director or director doesn't want that then it's for them to step in but also like i say sometimes we just it's this the roles are really hard and sometimes when you're just really in the moment and you're fully enjoying it and you're just letting loose these things just happen trust me and you're like i don't know why that happened but in a weird way that makes it right if it yeah. just comes from a place of exactly just pure emotion and you just can't help it then and let's be honest lots of it is it sounds flipping impressive it's not the it's not the important part but you know um these women can all just sing in my face there was that one West End show. It was Willamine, Susie, and forget who the fear was, but they everyone in the cast like got in trouble because apparently they all kept riffing. Oh. So like it started out with um Willamine and the Wizard and I, and she went, and I want nothing else till I die. Not that exactly, but she was like doing like a lot of runs in that. And then <coughs> uh, sorry. And then um she and then um during um like right before like thank goodness that little reprise of no one mourns the wicked it was carrie enright's final so- show so she riffed it was she like like some terrible green blizzard throughout the land she flies and i was like good girl it's your last show do that yeah and then dude. apparently they just kept and then and then Susie during thank goodness she did that optional high note in the end and then apparently willamine also riffed into fine gravity and they like a company meeting afterwards and they were like no you guys need to oh, stop really? <laughs> <laughs> oh but listen i mean willamine is just an absolute oh powerhouse my, my goodness me just that i mean if ever there was a voice you know made for and she just and what's wild to me is that she just gets better with age yeah like and this isn't shade because you know as you get older your voice your singing voice is not as strong as it used to be and that's well, it's not different. Shade. It, it, it darkens just, and you know it's it's it, definitely different i've had to embrace that as well as i was talking to um andrea, <laughs> i was talking to andrea rivette who was the um rivette who was the final um emma in jekyll and hyde on broadway and we were talking about it and she was like she was like belt and we were talking about it we were like belting in your 20s and belting in your 50s is a whole lot different (laughs) because i'm like because i'm like i'm like when you're alphabet you don't have to worry about hot flashes i'm like you could be in the middle of singing as if we never said goodbye and you could be experiencing hot flashes you can't stop you gotta keep going (laughs) like going you gotta do it i'm like that's it's like that's why i'm like norma's hold a, i hold great respect for them so i'm like because you've got to be of a certain age belting yeah. these high notes which is not easy to do no but also it needs that it it needs a different it requires a different quality of voice mm-hmm. it needs it I, I think it's you know having a, a younger person playing it but it just hasn't got that darkness that kind of depth that raw yes. quality about it um, it needs mm-hmm. it. It requires it. I find it exciting. It's, it can be quite scary because you do have to just constantly rework your voice and yes. try different things, new techniques. Um, but in another sense, it's just quite refreshing to just go, right, do you know what? I'm not playing those same roles. The thing with me I have at the minute with my concert work is that I am still required to sing those big belty songs. And mm-hmm. then in the next breath, 
give you some mezzo soprano <laughs> yeah. and then sing send in the clowns and yeah. it's just like oh you've got to cover all bases so yeah so anyway to go back to wicked now that we went off on a riffing and singing tangent, yeah we did <laughs> Um, so did you bring anything from your experiences as Glinda to your alphaba? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess I had the full intention of uh, understanding pacing myself and understanding the sacrifices required when, you, when you're doing eight shows a week in a show and having to really buckle up and look after yourself that there's a whole lot of self-care to another level to get through the shows um but i just think because they're so different what i would have done or techniques i would have used or whatever or done in my day-to-day -to, -day to look after myself as glinda uh just didn't marry up with what was required for alphabet um so, I, I mean, I think I've always had the same mentality that when you're doing a show like that, you do, you do have to just quite literally, that becomes your world for the next six months or the next year. And it's a small price to pay, in my opinion, to play these amazing roles. You know, I don't mm. particularly care if mm. I can't go out and get drunk, you know, and sort of stay up partying because I want to do a good job the next day. And I know mm -hmm. that if I do go out and have a drink, it's not going to happen or it's not going to be very enjoyable. Um, and you'll just kind of fall apart and set yourself back. So it's, I've always had that mentality of you got to just buckle up and look after yourself. And it is all about the show for the next year. So I guess that's what I carried for, but that's not necessarily from playing Glinda. That's just from various other roles. Yeah. So, did your Glinda inform how you played? Did playing Glinda inform how you played Alphaba? I don't know if that sounds like the same question, but um, I guess a little bit because, in, in a way, it's kind of difficult because I knew, I knowing how as Glinda I felt about Alphaba, how that relationship grew. I guess in many ways helped but in some small ways hindered because then mm -hmm. it kind of went with Glinda and she's kind of a very different person at the beginning to what she is at the end. Um, and, and the things that she learns about herself and other people along the way, um, I guess you have to really try hard to scrap that from your mind mm -hmm. and, and really start afresh. So in some ways it was a real, a real help. And, and in other ways I had to kind of try to erase that because yeah you kind of you've established how you feel about each other or how how glinda feels about Elphaba and how that friendship forms and when you're looking back at that other person looking back at glinda from Elphaba's eyes there are certain things you almost already know about that person am i making sense mm -hmm. that you kind of want you want to erase because you want that fresh feeling you want to experience it for the first time i know you're playing it eight times a week but you want to kind of um discover that for the first time um but it i have to say for me it did i found more positives from that than negatives it did made me quite it? emotional at times so were you aware like were you like more like aware of the fact where you're like oh i'm the first person to ever do this play both alphabet and glinda or was that just like not even on your radar at the moment um no the producers definitely said we 
when they cast me as Elphaba, this is massive for us. This is massive for Wicked Worldwide because we've never had an actor who we have cast as both Glinda and Elphaba. And I'm always very careful of talking about it because I'm really well aware that there are brilliant actors who have understudied both roles um, and have been on the stage as both. And in my head, I'm like, if you play both roles, you play both roles, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like, there's only been two in addition to you. There was yeah. Amy Goodwin on the UK tour who understudied both in the same contract. Yeah. But she never went on as Alphaba. Okay. Um, and then there was Natasha Ferguson, that, that bitch who does who played Alphaba Glinda and Nessa Rose. I love it. <laughs> Listen, have no fear. I'm going that, back as Madame Horrible one day. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like, that's why I'm like, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, I think there was one person. I did an interview for something and they and they brought this whole thing up and they said, do you know if you're still the, the only person? I said, you know what? I don't look at the statistics every week of my life, but I believe so. But um, I mean, there are many then, people that I, I think there's like two people who I think could have done both. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you. I mean, for oh. me, the first one that comes to mind is Annalisa Vanderpool. Yeah. I don't know if you know who that is. No. She was... um. Chelsea in That's So Raven. Um, the, she's a redhead. Um, yeah. She was the final Belle on Broadway. She does a lot of like the princess, like Disney princess concerts. She's wow. got this phenomenal, like old timey, like Ethel Merman style belt. Oh, I love it. I'm going to find her immediately. Um, and, but she also, she auditioned for Glinda, which I'm first off, I'm like, why did she have to audition for anything? She's like, <laughs> I'm like right. she's Disney royalty. Like, why does she have to audition? Um, and so I think she could do both easily. Um, yeah. I also, we t- my friend Sam, who, w- Wicked Road, why we talked about this before, we think that Megan Hilty could have done both. Oh, I always think that. I mean, maybe not for like a full year as Alphaba, but like maybe like, you know, like a four or five month contract or something. She'd smash it. She's got an incredible belt. Because her um, and Shoshana Bean did that like Wicked yes, Swap thing. Because originally yeah. Shoshana auditioned for Glinda. But Listen, Shoshana like, can sing the songbook. The yes. songbook, the phone book. Shoshana is like <laughs> yeah. just heaven. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, the, the the producers definitely brought that up as a thing. They're like, this mm-hmm. is going to be huge for us. Um, but yeah, there was there was a person who came online and went, oh, stop, like basically stop going on about it. You're not the only person. And I was like, let me just clear this up. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going around saying I'm the only person. But and I also understand that there are people who have been on stage and played both, and I'm like, hats off to you because I know how amazing slash hard that is. Um, but I think they just mean cast as Glinda, cast as Alpha. Principally, so, yeah, principally, principally, yeah. I know, um, my, yeah. yeah. One of my long running jokes for um, when Amy Goodwin was cast, I said we should have a production of Wicked where it's like. I think it was called the play Mary Queen of Scots, where it was a two woman play, and it was Queen. It was whoever the queen was at the time, and Mary Queen of Scots, and the two women before the show would flip a coin, and oh. whichever way it landed, <laughs> then, like, if it was heads, like, person A would play Mary, person um, B would play whatever the queen was, and if it was, like, tails, person A would play queen, and person oh B would gosh. play Mary. I'm like, we should have that. Where's that wicked production? Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Or just have, like, I love the whole um, job share thing. Yes. But I don't know if you were talking about it, you guys over there um, in the US, but over here there was, like, so much talk at one point of job share. I mean, how awesome that you've constantly got, you know, these 
leading ladies just there kind of queuing up waiting to go mm-hmm. on that night and um i'd find that really exciting so i want to ask uh, so what role did you feel more attached to glinda or alphaba um or is that like choosing a favorite child no i'll be completely honest glinda <laughs> i think i think and i'm not taking away from the fact that i flipping loved playing alphaba mm-hmm. i did it was I still feel like it didn't happen. I still feel like I was a competition winner and I went on for a week. <laughs> it was like all a big dream. <laughs> but, um, you know, I stayed in the show for two years as Glinda mm-hmm. and the year as Elphaba. And I think that speaks volumes. And when I was asked to stay for a second year as Elphaba, I said, I cannot thank you enough for this opportunity. I've loved it and I'll never forget it. But a, a year oh, for me. Mama's tired. <laughs> <laughs> mama's tired um but yeah i just think glinda just sat more comfortably with me mm-hmm. um yeah and that's that is just down to uh, you know what is naturally in me what is my voice what is my voice naturally what comes naturally to me mm. so that's which all. one did you identify with more Alphaba interesting Why? yeah um because i'm an, i'm kind of not a materialistic not person girl. i'm not i'm not that girl <laughs> i'm not you know it's i'm i'd like to think that i stick up for other people that i'm passionate about um doing good and helping others and it not just all being about myself and that kind of passion and drive, I like to think I'm a lot more like Elphaba than Glinda. But I have my Glinda moments, trust. <laughs> <laughs> so, we all. now I'm going to ask you, yes. So now I'm going to ask you some speed, I thought I was going to sneeze for a minute. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you <laughs> some speed questions real quick, oh, some rapid God. fire questions. I'll be wicked, awful at these. Are they like related. testing me on things? They're, no, it's just wicked related stuff. It's like this or this. Oh God, okay, go on then. So bubble dress versus act two alphabet dress. Act two alphabet, no, bubble dress, bubble dress. <laughs> uh, Glinda's verse versus Alphaba's verse in For Good. Glinda's verse. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm not that girl or I'm not that girl reprise. I'm not that girl. Really? Okay. Um, favorite Alphabet song? No Good Deed. Really? And then favorite Glinda song? Thank goodness. Really interesting. And then finally, Team Galfi. Are you Team Galfi? Is that what it's called? The shipping of Glinda and Alphaba as lesbians? <laughs> yes, Team Gelfie. <Gelfie. laughs> That's my favorite thing. So, Never okay. heard that. So how have you not heard that, Louise? You've been in the show for three I'm years. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you play both. So my favorite thing is, so Gregory Maguire wrote the original novel, and then he didn't write the newer novels until after Wicked the Musical was a thing. And then after Wicked the Musical, like, he became, like, full-on, like, Team Gelfie. Like, he didn't, like, it wasn't explicitly stated, but it was very clearly obvious that Glinda is a lesbian. Not, not Glinda, is a lesbian. Gl- 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 Glinda has a romantic feelings for Alphaba. 
and it's very evident like in the later novels especially um and so interesting so why the bubble dress over the act two dress um they're both so incredibly impressive but i think it's all to do with memories like i will never forget putting that bubble dress on and them explaining to me, I can't remember exactly how much, but how much this dress was worth and the amount of sequins in this dress, <laughs> the amount of petals, how heavy it was. It's just like a full on masterpiece. I mean, they all are the Act 2 Alpha dress as well. But there's just something about that bubble dress. It's insane. It's incredible. And also, I have... I love a good the, hoop skirt moment, though. <laughs> I, you know, don't we all? But I have the billboard as me of me as Glinda, and it's in my Aww. little girl's bedroom. Oh, As though she's got me up there as Glinda. I mean, sometimes she looks at it, and she still does not believe that it's me. I'm like, <laughs> babes, it's a while ago. Give me a break. <laughs> I know it looks so fresh and young, but, you know... So I have my five. So we've unfortunately reached the end of the podcast. Although I loved, <laughs> I loved having you on. Um, I have two final questions for you. Okay. First and foremost, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote? Um, do you, where can the people find you on Insta on the internet? Um, this will be releasing on March tenth. So oh, lovely! A few days before my birthday. Hooray! um oh gosh i'm i'm follow me uh louise Diamond official on instagram which is where i mainly am um these days are taken up with a lot of concerts i am i mean by the time this comes out you would have missed them people but i mean i'm off to <laughs> belfast glasgow birmingham london the next month um and then various concerts throughout the year but um like i say we are thinking of releasing something towards the end of this year mm-hmm. um and I'm working on a workshop of a new musical at the moment. So hopefully oh. there'll be some stuff about that. But um, yeah, just follow me on there and I'll, I'll try my best to actually go on it <laughs> and let you know what I'm up to because, uh, yes, I'm pretty useless on the old socials, but I will try to be better. So, and then my final question for you is, is there a lady you would love to have lunch with? <gasps> my only rule is that they cannot be a fictional character. Okay. This gosh, this is. They can is be hard dead. They can be alive. Many. They can be a friend. They can be someone you don't know. I will go to dinner with my friends all the time. Let's pick somebody. <laughs> um, do you know the person who just constantly springs to mind right now? Celine Dion. Really interesting. Because I, yeah, she, I've just been a fan for so many years, and she just comes across as this just wonderfully eccentric just brilliant passionate hilarious Mm -hmm. woman i'll never forget seeing her live when i was about eight months pregnant and so far away and i still bawled my eyes out because she was so charismatic and so warm to her fans and her audience and um everything she's obviously going through at the moment i just would love to meet her Mm -hmm. and sit and have and have lunch with her there are many people I could, the list is flipping endless, but, um, do you want to list a few more? That's the lady, <laughs> uh, Whitney Houston, Barbara uh, Streisand, uh, Tina Turner. Um, oh gosh, I need to go on and on and on and on. But yeah, it's, yeah. There's Celine Dion. Out there. Me and Celine. Celine, if you're listening, <laughs> and you fancy lunch. totally listening to me. And- 
You never know. Just put it out there into the universe. Yeah. Celine Dion watched this part. Celine, listen, I will take you. I'll pay for lunch. I'll do it. <laughs> she orders like the lobster. <laughs> it's on me. Do you have lobster, Celine? You have it. <laughs> Anything you want. I'll remortgage my house. <laughs> Alrighty. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you all next week. Bye-bye. So here's to the girls on the go. Everybody tries. Look into their eyes and you'll see what they know. Everybody dies. A toast to that invincible bunch. The dinosaurs surviving the crunch. Let's hear.